0: If you feel it, you know it. D-Rock Production. Sports Talk with D-Rock. People 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 it's been a while I know I needed that mental break Like I said ain't nothing wrong With taking a break and refreshing your mind I've been working very hard On my own time And now I'm back And with that being said Blessings go out to All of those that was uh, Suffering in that tragic Event with Travis Scott I hope the best for those families and condolences. So let's go ahead and hop into the Texans. We got to get some recap. The Texans continuously disappoint me every week. Um, at this point, like I said, I'm not even mad about the Texans anymore. But a 9 17 loss to the Miami Dolphins and the way they played, and as many turnovers that was occurring in this game altogether, it's pretty bad, man. I mean, you had nine turnovers all together in this game four from the Texans and five from the Dolphins and like I said every week you you look at the the Texans offense and they look worse and worse and worse and Tyrod Taylor with his comeback the debut you know after week two he he just looked horrible and at that point you know from uh my point of view a 24 for 43. 240 yard game three three picks man he got sacked five times it's time to pull him out put davis mills back in the game i mean because really at this point i'd rather see davis mills against lesser defenses and let's be honest bro miami defense is not good so for miami defense to come and show up against a texans offense the way they did it's pretty, pretty sad and pathetic. And unfortunately, I mean, I just expected much more out of that team. Um, the Texans got to get it together. The offensive line, it just has so many issues. The schemes, is, is just not working. Each week, I wonder, what is the next plan? Like, what, what, is, the, what is the big scheme of things? Because this offensive line is atrocious. I mean, you got offensive linemen out there blocking grass. They blocking air. They ain't blocking nobody. Um, they're looking for a man to block, and and then all of a sudden you see them go run run to another person, a teammate, and help them help block and double team. But then that also leaves a defensive end open, a linebacker or a safety, a corner, whoever. Is someone that is blitzing open. To rush the quarterback each time, and that is the reason. One of the reasons why Tyrod Taylor got sacked five times in this game. But another reason is is they don't have the talent there on the offensive line. But I think part of that is they don't know what the hell they're doing on the offensive line. So we got to do better as a team. Uh, they got to they got to get better coaches, man. That that know what they're doing. That is really competent and. What they're coaching because clearly right now, whoever they have out there with David Cully and and who's under him on that offensive side of the ball, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Now, defensive-wise, you got to continue to respect what uh, Lovey Smith does. They continuously force turnovers. They continuously give the ball back to the offense and allow them to ball out. But for some reason, they just get tired, man. And and you, you think about it like, hell, I have been on the field for so many plays and I haven't had that much rest. So, eventually, the defense just give in. They don't have a whole bunch of household names on this defense. Hell, they really don't have no household names, probably besides uh, Justin Reed. And they know how to force turnovers. So... Yeah, we can be very, very uh, magnified on the Texans' defense, but you got to look at the offense. You got to wonder, why aren't these receivers getting any separation? What are the the offensive coaches drawing up that doesn't allow Brandon Cooks to get open, doesn't allow Danny Amendola old ass to get open, Chris Conley? You know, all of these players are playing with minimum separation. And some of it is just because some of the players are just not good anymore. But, hey, Nico did a damn good job. He had got three targets, and he caught all three targets, three for 25. Brandon Cooks always show up, so I can't talk about him. Every week, they already know where the ball is going, and Brandon Cooks is the number one target. So it's nice to see some of the other receivers get involved, like Danny Amendola and and Chris Conley. But to be honest, I would like to see them pull up some of them practice squad receivers and see what they got there. Because at this point, the season is a loss. We're 1-8. The Dolphins move on to 2-7. and seven And the Texans continue to tank. But they tank the wrong way. And honestly, they, they need to go ahead and scrap Cully. Cully has a million excuses. Each and every week, he says the same things. Oh, we, we got to go back and review. Oh, uh, um, we just got to coach better. We just got to coach better. We just got to coach better. Bro, how many times you going to say that? Because obviously you're never going to coach better because you don't have the ability to do it. You don't have the capacity to be a head coach. And I keep saying this. He's not head coach worthy material. So with that being said, people, Cully needs to be fired at the end of the season if the texans go one and 16 cully should be fired and that's just my my opinion he he shows us nothing moving on we got a bye week so they got 14 days to try to prepare for the titans which they won't prepare for them because they have old cully coaching them up and honestly they probably won't be competitive because AP going to run through them. They're going to let an old Adrian Peterson run through them and show them up. And if you want to know, the predictor on this game is 84% leaning towards the Titans to win this game at home. And you can't help but agree. Oh, by the way, the Texans picked up a new running back. Scotty Phillips is now on injury reserve, sadly and the texans got royce freeman royce freeman is a young running back that was drafted by denver a couple seasons ago and he was claimed on waivers today by the texans and hopefully he can come and produce him coming in with some younger legs i would love to see him get some more touches and honestly just leave all the touches to the young players lindsey is still young freeman is younger uh, I don't really want to see any more of David Johnson. I know what he got. I know he can't deliver. He is—he's past his prime and and etc. So there's no more reasons to see what David Johnson can do for us. There's no more reasons to see what uh, Burkhead can do for us. Nothing. It's obvious. So looking at this game, honestly, with 14 days. Um, for the Texans to practice, I would actually love Mills to go ahead and take those snaps at the first string and see what he can bring for us. Because Tyrod is, yeah, he's getting paid his what his little ten and a half or twelve and a half million, whatever it is. But he's he's not he's not there. And and honestly, it's no point for him being out there at this point unless you just feel that Davis Mills can gain some kind of curve from looking at Tyrod, you know, uh, in the huddle and see how he interacts with the players and how he acts on the field and how he carries himself, you know. I mean, yeah, he can gain something from that, but at this point, Davis Mills is, what, six games in under his belt, and uh, the schedule is a lot weaker on this back end of the schedule, and I would love to see what Davis Mills can do Against lesser teams, and that way we can truly, truly figure out what we have in Davis Mills. So, if you haven't heard, Nick Casario was asked a question today. Is you know we haven't probably done as well as we all have hoped, or relative to what our expectations is on a week-to-week basis. So our record is what our record is. There's nothing we can do about it. The only people that can get the problem. Or make improvements, After him saying that the record is what the record is, there's no way that you can just accept the fact that the Texans are just one and eight. You have to have some kind of fury in your heart and your mind to think like, man, we gotta do something. We gotta get this team on the right track. Yeah, it's not gonna happen this season, but trying to figure out what you got. And what you got to do to succeed is the best thing. You can't just accept losing. And I think at this point, this team is just in shambles from the top down. Also, in that interview with Nick Casario, he also talked about um, how their team is built or the organization is built. And he talked about how everything comes from the top down. And he talked about, the operations and the operations making decisions and those decisions that they make trickle down to the GM, to the head coaches, to the coaches under their coach and to the players. And when you talk about all of that, if you look up the Texans, the VP of the operations of the Texans is Zach Easterby. And at that point, I just kind of shut down because I'm realizing the future of the Texans is is nowhere near, you know, a, a great future. It It is, the team is going to be in shambles because everything that Zach Easterby has brought to the Texans has been bad, literally. He's done nothing good for the Texans. All he has done is torn down his organization, and he's torn down and blindfolded Cal McNair along the way. And honestly, I'm going to be honest. Nick Casario sounds like he knows football through and through. Um, He says good things all the time. I can't knock him. I love his responses. I love the fact that he understands the game and he knows um, that, for us to rebuild, we're going to have to go through waves and waves of players through that building to find the right particular pair players and pieces to stick this thing together and get it right. It's not going to happen all in one year. It's not going to happen next year while getting a first-round pick and hopefully selecting the right player and landing on the right player. Because, I mean, it's, this is jeopardy. And you just don't know if that player is going to be good. But... With all that being said, I really hope that Calvin Nair open his eyes and take the blindfold off and and figure things out. Because the Texans have to get it together for the fan base of the future. Because I promise you, they will lose a lot of fans and support uh, along the way. Now, congratulations to the trash-ass Braves. They pulled it off and that's why y'all fucking float was... Driving 100 miles per hour through y'all parade. Because nobody loves or likes the Braves. But you know what? Good series anyways to the Braves, man. They pulled it off. Um, They beat the Astros in six. And I had the Astros in six instead. And honestly, I was downright disappointed in what the Astros provided to us in game six. Making it come back home. A 7-0 skunk was just horrible. I mean, how can you leave your fans at home with that disgust in their stomachs? And that's exactly what the Astros did. Um, Going into the offseason, you know, Carlos Correa, he got offered $160 million for five years, $32 million a year. Um, Honestly, I don't think that's a bad deal, but it's not enough money for Correa, um, and it's not enough years. Correa probably wants at least, six or seven years i know he really wants a 10-year deal i wouldn't give him a 10-year deal because he's 27 years old and on the back end of that contract is going to be horrible working him up to 37 and he's already dealt with tons of injuries uh in his young career so with that being said i don't think a five-year deal is bad but i do think the astros need to offer more money if they want him to even think about taking a five-year deal with them Hundred sixty million is not going to get it done. They probably want to add about another ten million to that and see how that goes. But I think, honestly, if they give him about seven years, two hundred million somewhere in that ballpark, he might agree to it. But um, honestly, he would probably say yes if they just made it a ten-year deal and he got paid thirty-two million a year uh, for ten years, because then he's looking at about what the money he want three 320 million so um I don't think that's worth the money I, I think they will take a big L on that on the back end of that contract so if you got to walk away from Casario hey go and do it but you also got to kind of look out we still a good team and we're going to continue to be a good team with or without Correa and I think we'll still be um uh, one of the undisputed uh champions moving forward at some point and um Dusty Baker got a one-year deal. He renewed his contract for one more year, and I guess he's going to run back at it one more time, see what he can do. Hopefully, Dusty can pull it off this time, man. He got to make the right uh, changes at the right time, pull the right pitches at the right time. But even with that being said, he really just needed some pitching this year. And um, looking at what's out there, you know, Justin Verlander, he has became a free agent as well, and he's been working out. He's been offered the qualifying offer, and I just kind of want to know, will the Astros be able to get him? Will he accept or decline? Um, With that being said, I believe all the um, qualifying offers have to be accepted or rejected by November 17th, so he has up until that point of November to decide If he wants to be an Astro or not. But when you look at the notable free agents, man, there's some good guys out there. And when I talk about pitching, uh, those are the players that the Astros need to be going after. I mean, so far you got Clayton Kershaw. He might be over the edge. I'm not sure. Um, Kevin Gossman. You got Max Scherzer. You have Marcus Stroman. Noah Syndergaard. If I'm the Astros... Noah Syndergaard would be the main player I'm looking at to try to bring in back home. Uh, when we look at shortstops, we got Trevor Story. That's the one that I would definitely be looking at. If I'm the Astros, Corey Seager. Um, those players are the ones that I'd be looking at. Javier Baez, I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know if they want to pay him or anything. He might just go back to the Mets. Who knows? But I will tell you. There's a lot of players out here on the market that the Astros can go get, and there's a lot of pitching out here that the Astros can get as well. And honestly, um, looking at all the notable free agents, I look for the Astros to just gang up and uh, be a much better team next season moving forward, and those are the potential players that we can just definitely poach. So next year, I expect the Astros to be back in the playoffs, contending again for another series Uh World Series, when I say. And hopefully, you know, we can just pull off a couple of these uh, brilliant guys like Michael Conforto or something. Just something. Um, moving on. Houston Rockets, man. My Rockets, they won at nine. And this is very expected. They're a young team uh, with low expectations. But I tell you what. Wednesday night, they will be on ESPN taking on the Detroit Pistons, and we get a showdown, one versus two. We get Cunningham versus Jalen Green, and um, looking at the preview, you really don't know who's going to win. The Rockets are our kind of favorite to win, but um, I just want to see what Jalen Green can do against a young player such as Cunningham, which is kind of like a young peer, and you can just see how much better he is or how much lesser he is, you know. Um the Pistons haven't been winning much as well. Um I they're both coming in one and nine and one and eight or whatever. Um both on a four game road slide, both looking to get that, that first win and somebody's gotta win. And I think I think that the upper hand should be in the Rockets department, but uh we'll see, you know, just looking at what Jalen Green can bring to the to the table and looking at what Kate Cunningham can bring to the table. You have to really wonder who's going to show up and show out. So I would definitely circle this game on the calendar because this is definitely going to be a good game for the Rockets. And there's one concern. Christian Wood has been complaining about getting more touches. Why does he need more touches? I mean, the ball already go through Christian Wood enough times as it is. How many more touches does he need? Christian Wood is just very selfish. Christian Wood, bro, you have to get it together. And by the way, I mean, you had plenty of touches um, in the last game, and you blew them. You didn't score many points. You didn't do much. So I need Christian Wood to create for himself by getting rebounds, by getting blocks, by playing better defense, and then taking the ball himself and creating touches for himself. Because every time, we shouldn't have to run through him. And honestly, at this point, I feel like there should be more sets running through Jalen Green, that gets him to the basket. Because you know why? The one thing that Jalen Green is strong at is getting to the basket. He knows how to slash and maneuver his way in the paint, lay up, and dunk. He's not the greatest shooter right now in his young career, but he damn sure can drive to the basket. And they need to create more pick-and-roll options and slashes to the basket for Jalen Green. So, can the Rockets really beat Detroit. I definitely think so. With everybody being on point and everybody uh, just being on the same page, KPJ, Eric Gordon, Jalen Green, busting a couple shots, more than those nine points he's been averaging, we'll be all right. And that's the truth. Now, for y'all people that want to know about the Houston Dynamo, Houston Dynamo, man, they are second to last in the MLS. And um, actually, good news is the Dynamo actually did something about it. They got rid of their manager and he's out as the coach and they bringing in someone new. So with the Dynamo getting a new coach and Tab Ramos is out, who was supposedly a legend, maybe a legend of the game, but not a legend of managing because um, the new coach will be Pat Ornstead. And with that being said, Ornstead will bring in his own staff. He will get rid of all the old assistants and bring in his own assistants um, with everybody's contracts ending. That means we may see a new Dynamo team. Uh, and you know, with all this has been said, Dynamo had changed ownership in June. So with change of ownership a lot of times the owner like to bring in their own managers their own their own people around them so we will see some new features some new changes as well as we already have seen some rebranding so hopefully the dynamo are on the verge of going back to the old dynamo of success and pushing towards the future with w's because so far we haven't seen many of those out of the duck out of the dynamo in about Five or six years. Now, the granddaddy of them all. As I always say, Houston Cougars football, baby. The Houston Cougars pulled off another W against South Florida. Man, it was a tough one. I'm not going to lie. I watched that game, and it, it was it was a nail-biter. Uh, 54-42 was the final score. Houston came out on top, and Clayton Toon did his thing. 385 yards passing, three touchdowns. You can't disappoint with that, 21 for 26. I will honestly say, at first I was very worried about what Clayton Tune could do out there for the Cougars. But now, week after week, he's actually improving more and more as a quarterback, and I'm loving that. Uh, Tazan Henry had a big run, 97 yards. He ran it all the way to the house, and I believe that was probably a school record. I mean, This was a damn good game. A game that you thought was probably going to be a blowout. It actually turned out to be a a 90-point game. I mean, these guys was out here balling. I mean, I seen Clayton Toon hitting dudes deep. I seen Tayshaun Henry running all over them. I seen McCaskill running all over them. Um, A game that did not disappoint at all. And with that being said, I love the way that Houston fought back because they was down. And then they came back and they took over, and they never gave a lead back so to see that to see that from Houston is a good thing to see them fighting and and to see them as the eight and one Cougs moving on to another opponent next week. I'm glad, and looking at that next week opponent it will be temple where we will be taking on Temple who is three and six in Philadelphia and This is another game that could be a gimme game, you know, even though U of H is favored by 95% to win this game, you got to look at this game as another game. Hey, Temple only averaged 18 points a game, but this could be a game that they might just go out there and show up because U of H is ranked, what, like number 20 now. So, them being ranked number 20, Temple try to find them ways uh, to probably upset U of H. But... Looking at the stat lines, I mean, their quarterback is not too good. Six for four. Six TDs, for interceptions. Uh, Run game is not solid. Top rusher, 252 yards, rushing two TDs. Um, The top receiver, 398 yards, three TDs. But all of that don't mean nothing because it's any given week. It's college football, and you never know what to expect. But I tell you what, the spread is 24 and a half, and I'm hoping that the U U of H Cougars can pull it off by 24 and a half. So we don't have to worry about no more close games. Um, and then once we follow up with that game, we will be taking on Memphis and that will be a big game. We can get through Temple and focus on Memphis next week. Everything should work out for the U of H Cougars going into the latter end of that season. And hopefully we can meet Cincinnati in the conference championship and pull off the defeat you know, I know a lot of people is pulling for Cincinnati to beat us just to see what the uh, the college football committee will do if they allow Cincinnati to get in there, which would be pretty interesting. I would actually like to see it, but I just could never choose U of H uh, taking an L against Cincinnati. No way, no how. I'm always going to ride for my Cougs. By the way. U of H basketball kicked off today and they kicked off at number 15 in the nation, which is kind of crazy. I thought they would be a little higher, you know, them going to the final four and all those kind of things. But right now, U of H is actually losing at home. It's 62 to 51. They're playing Hofstra and uh, I'm pretty damn disappointed. I need to see more out of my team. I need to see them boys balling a little bit better and being a little bit more consistent because looking at their stat line currently, U of H is missing a lot of shots and not hitting many. And, um, they're taking a lot of threes, so they might want to take that ball inside and try to get some, some higher percentage buckets for sure. Um, now we got to talk about Rice University, you know, the Rice Owls, uh, Last time I talked about them making a move to the American, and we got a couple other Houston area teams that's uh making moves to other conferences as well, and I'll talk about that later. But the, the Rice Owls, uh, they went out there and suffered another loss. I thought they would beat the Charlotte 49ers, but instead they lost 31-24. to 24. Not a bad loss, but a loss is a loss, and they didn't win. So the Rice Owls dropped to 3-6. and six. Hopefully they can win the next three games to become... Bow eligible but at this point it's not looking that way charlotte pulled off the win against them and um just downright disappointing constantine he played a solid game he didn't he turned the ball over one time but he didn't throw no no tds um he went 19 for 35 not very great honestly i said solid but i'll take that back the rushing game was great ari broussard ran well for rice 20 carries 186 yards two tds man you can't be mad about that at all um looking on the charlotte side chris reynolds he threw three tds no picks uh, and he threw 20 for 29 man he was playing almost perfect honestly uh they had a great rushing game all together they ran six backs for 292 yards Rice, you got to step up your, your Russian defense, baby. But, hey, looking at who Rice will be taking on next week, we got to see what kind of potential the Rice Owls can bring to their next opponent. At 3-6, and six, they'll be taking on Western Kentucky. And you look at this game, Western Kentucky is a 5-14. and team. Rice will be at home, and unlikely uh, Rice will win this game with Kentucky favored to win by 90%. Western Kentucky, to be exact. Um... So, the spread is 18 points. Hopefully, Rice can pull it off. Hopefully, they can go out there and uh, run the ball like they did the, the previous week. But hopefully, Constantine can play a little bit better and become a little bit more consistent. But looking at who the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers have at quarterback in zap, this guy has 3,688 yards passing so far, 37 TDs and 6 picks. And I think he's going to continue to go on a tear and tear up Rice. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers over Rice in this game. Moving on. Texas A&M previously beat Auburn, as I said they would, but I didn't expect them to beat them as bad. 20-3, to 3, they beat Auburn. Um, man, Calzada continues to impress each and every week. He's playing much, much better at the quarterback position now. I mean, they're not asking him to do too much, but he's just doing enough to get the win, um good running game from Isaiah Spiller 21 carries 112 yards rushing man don't disappoint at all Texas A&M get the W Auburn takes the L um Auburn was ranked 13 a and was at 14 so you know there's going to be some big shifts in the power 25 right also Bo Nix he disappointed for all those years been an NCAA. I keep saying that, man. And he's just not showing up. Matter of fact, he even got he even got a minus 18 yards on his rushing. Bo Nix, Get it together, my guy. So, TSU. TSU lost again. As I would have said, anyways. Um, Jackson State Tigers. We are talking about Deion Sanders going up against TSU. Honestly, I'm not too disappointed. The fact that TSU put up 21 points and Jackson State put up 41. TSU only lost about 40 points. And looking at this box score, um, man, Sanders played pretty good. You know, quarterback, 25 for 41, three TDs, no picks, played awesome, um, Looking at the rushing for Jackson State, two hundred twenty yard, 223 yards to be exact. Three TDs from the rushing game. They played solid, man. And by the way, Malachi Whiteman, he had two TDs receiving, five receptions. Awesome by Jackson State. TSU on their side, man. Andrew Body, 12 for 28. No picks, 79 yards passing. I've been saying that the TSU quarterback needs to improve. I don't understand what they're running, what they're playing with, but uh hey, they did take 43 carries as a team and they had 259 yards rushing, 3 TDs. So with that assumption, I assume that uh TSU is leaning more towards their run game now and they're trying to get it on the ground, but unfortunately even though they scored through the first three quarters, they couldn't keep on scoring. They needed more points than that. They're gonna have to put the ball through the air. TSU, you're gonna have to improve, baby. HBU took another L. HBU is now 0 and nine. They're six in the Southland, and they lost to Northwestern State, and they lost 28 to 24 in a close game. And remember, I said Northwestern State was two and seven, and HBU. Huskies is 0 9. I thought this was a game that HBU could finally rise up and get a win, but unfortunately, they lost about four points in a game that they probably could have mostly won in and, you know, finally got their first W on the season. But unfortunately, they let Zachary Clement throw for 211 yards with one TD and one interception. They let this team run for 135 yards and three TDs and take the W. HBU on their side, their quarterback threw twenty-eight for forty, and um, he threw one pick. Bad for business. Sixty-five yards rushing. They need to scout them some running backs and get it together because sixty-five yards from six different rushers on thirty-five attempts is bad, and they got to improve. HBU, come on, baby, get it together. Sam Houston. Sam Houston is now eight and zero. Still out there stumping on boys. Beat the hell out of Dixie State. 59-10. Man, that's how you get it in. Uh Eric Schmidt. He went 10 for 19. 124 yards. One TD, one, one pick. They had a couple other guys throw a couple passes. But I tell you what. Sam Houston State got it in on the ground. 41 attempts for 403 yards. 5 TDs, man. And... It was about eight running backs that touched the ball in this game. That is amazing team ball by Sam Houston State. And with that being said, we're not even going to talk about what Dixie State did because Kobe Tracy, which is horrible, 240 yards passing, one TD, two picks. And that's all we got to say because that's all they really you know brought to the game. PV, Prairie View a and 7-1, got their victory as well. They took care of business against Alabama State. 24 to 20. Man, as I said, this was probably one of those games where it was going to be pretty close. And PV was, you know, uh on the brinks so of probably taking an L. But since they was at home, they had to be favored. They got it done. They got the victory. And now that seven and one team looks to go on and get another victory next week. Next week, they will be taking on Alcorn. And Alcorn comes in five-four. PV seven and one and this is a game that PV got to be looking out for because Alcorn is actually a solid team. You don't know what they're going to do in this game and as you preview this game out in Mississippi, it's a Saturday. Everybody's there. The bands going to be fighting and they both average good points, high points. 20.72 from the Braves, 24.4 from the Panthers and You just don't know. This might be a shootout. Both have strong rushing attacks that's pretty similar, but the rushing leans more on the Braves' side. And the Panthers have forced nine turnovers altogether this season. Meanwhile, the Braves have forced five turnovers this season. So I don't know who to side with on this this game, but I'm going to take Alcorn State at home. Uh, because I see some of the statistics and some of the statistics lean towards Alcorn State getting a victory. So with that being said, people, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this sports talk with d Raw episode of the H-Town Breakdown. And it's a double banger. Let's kick this off with a recap of the NFL. Week nine, Jets and Colts. Colts get the victory. Jonathan Taylor runs to victory, forty-five to thirty. Browns and Bengals take on each other. Burrow with high expectations, but he take a l, forty-one to sixteen. The Browns get the victory. Broncos and Cowboys, man, we're all expecting the Cowboys to get this victory. They're on a six-win streak, and Dallas disappoints, thirty to sixteen. What happened? Texans, Dolphins. Two 1-7 teams match up against each other, and the Texans show out, and they do nothing. Once again, nine turnovers combined from both teams, and the Dolphins win 17-9. Falcons and Saints meet up in New Orleans. Oh, it's a big one. Matty Ice show up 27-25, 343 yards and two TDs. Raiders Giants. Man, I thought the Raiders was going to pull this one off, but they disappointed as well. Man, what happened? 23-16. Giants get the victory. Derek Carr has a good game, but not good enough to get the W. Patriots and Panthers. Another game where I picked the Panthers to win, and man, they was at home, and all they did was put up six. Darnold went out there and showed his true colors with three picks. They lost 24-6. Jaguars, Bills. Bills was a a team that was heavily favored in this game. Josh Allen had a bad week, and he threw for 47 attempts, 264 yards, and two two interceptions. Not a good game for him. The Jaguars pull it off 9-6. Vikings and Ravens. Man, this was a nail-biter. This one went into OT. Somehow, the Ravens pulled it off at home with Justin Tucker's kick. Giving them the win. 34-31. to 31. Chargers and Eagles. Man. Eagles put up a good fight. But the Chargers pulled it off against the Eagles in Philadelphia. This is a game that I expected Justin Herbert to dominate. And that he did. 32 for 38. 356 yards. Two TDs. Chargers 27. Eagles 24. Packers and Chiefs. Oh, I was so disappointed in Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers let the team down in the whole NFL. You know why? Because they gave him a pass. A pass that they don't give everybody. And he cost the Packers this win. Jordan Love went out there and threw for 190 yards and one TD. Not a bad game for a first game debut as a starter. But, you know, talking about Aaron Rodgers, it's pretty unfair that he you know, got the pass on this COVID-19 protocol. I mean, this dude basically sat up here, lied to everybody like he had got vaccinated, but he was never vaccinated. Basically took a placebo and all the placebo is a sugar and water and felt that he was vaccinated from that point. He thought it was all in his head. As many people that has died and been sick, And died and died again. And he got away with just a $300,000 fine. And you tell me that players can't get in the NFL like Cam Newton. And he's still suffering the consequences for not being vaccinated. But Aaron Rodgers just get a $300,000 fine. And the Packers organization knew about what Aaron Rodgers have done. So I think... They should be penalized big time as well as fined that $300,000. Aaron Rodgers, you got to do better and be better because I expect better from you. And you know what? It is just totally unfair that they would give him such a pass. I don't care if he's one of the faces of the NFL, they got to do right by everyone else. Moving on Cardinals and 49ers. A game that I expected to be much better and much closer. But the Cardinals move on to 8-1. 49ers lose this game 31-17. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a bad game, but he just needed more help. By the way, Greg Kittle showed up and showed out. Six receptions, 101 yards, one TD, just not enough to get the victory. Titans and Rams. Oh, man, the Titans took it to the Rams in L.A. Matthew Stafford showed out, but guess what? Didn't show out enough. 294 yards, one TD. But guess what? My favorite NFL player in the NFL who's ever played the game, AP, came back as an old veteran. I mean, AP's, what, 36, 37 years old, and he rushed for his 125th career TD. The Titans got the victory, 28-16. And then for a special Monday night, Steelers and Bears. Who would have expected this game to be so good? Big Bum, oh, I mean Big Ben, came out there and did his thing. This game, he was actually extending the field and putting the ball on the money. Justin Fields showed up as well, a young rookie out there trying to prove himself. 291 yards, one TD. It was a nail-biter. It came down to the end. But guess what? It was the Steelers in the end, 29-27. to Moving on, people. We got to talk about this next week, though. It's week 10. And we're going to kick this week off on a Thursday night with the Ravens and Dolphins. We already know where this game should be ending up going. Uh, Dolphins at home. Baltimore favored by seven and a half. But if you look at that Dolphins team and as many turnovers they had against the Texans, I expect worse against the Ravens, even though they're going to play up because of the talent. The Ravens should get this victory and Lamar Jackson should continue to dominate the NFL. By the way... Lamar Jackson has almost 100 carries for 600 yards and two TDs rushing, and he has 2,200 yards passing and 13 TDs. This guy is dominating the NFL, and if he don't get paid this year, who else should get paid more than him? Because he deserves his money. Moving on. Cowboys and Falcons. Falcons will be taking on the Cowboys in Arlington, Texas, and... Dallas is favored by nine points. Dallas will be coming out for a big comeback after that L against Denver. I look forward, Dallas, to get this victory. And I look forward, Ezekiel Elliott, to have a good game. As well as Dak coming back and proving himself this week. Cowboys have to take this victory. Saints and Titans taking on each other. Titans will run through the Saints and... AP will show once again that the Saints should have kept him when they had him in a Saints uniform. He will dominate. Tennessee will somehow, someway put off this game in Nashville, Tennessee. Jaguars and Colts. Jags will take a L this week. By the way, Colts will win this one pretty easily. Um, Jonathan Taylor will run all over the Jaguars defense. Carson Wentz will play okay and. Hopefully, hopefully the Jaguars' offense play well enough to at least make this game competitive. Browns and Patriots, man, this is gonna be a close one. Five and four Browns, five and four Patriots. Patriots playing above their level. Mac Jones is playing like a rookie of the year. Twenty-one hundred yards passing, ten TDs. He has not disappointed, and the Browns need this victory because even though they won last week. They're failing expectations. And 6-4 and four looks much better than 500. Browns got to get this victory. Browns are expected to win. And the Browns must figure out a way. I'm going to take the Browns in this one. And if the Browns don't win this one. Man, I look for some firings to be happening. The hot seat is coming soon for the Browns coach. If they don't get this victory this week. Bills and Jets. Man. If the Bills don't pull off this dub, because they played down against the Jaguars, so now this week they get reality and they have to play up. The Jets don't have their big guy in Zach Wilson, so Josh Allen should dominate this game easily, and he will be looking forward to getting his hands on a victory. Lions and Steelers. The Lions are 0-8. And the Steelers are 5-3. And, and at this point, I'm really just hoping that the Lions don't go 0-17. Every week they play very competitive. But somehow they coach themselves out of a win. And this is going to be another week where they coach themselves to another L because they just don't have the coaching in place to outcoach the man of the Steelers. Steelers get this victory. Big bomb. Go out there and does it again, Buccaneers in Washington now, I tell you what this game here is a game you must watch because this can be a game that the bucks can be upset in Landover, Maryland, and Washington could somehow pull off this victory, but I'm gonna take the bucks by three in this game, even though the spreads say nine and a half I got bucks by three over and under is twenty one and a half I mean fifty one and a half. There's no way that the Washington Washington football team will score that many points. So Buccaneers take that victory. Panthers Cardinals. This is going to be a good game. The way the Panthers got shut out last week with six points, and the Cardinals have been on a tear. The Cardinals will be at home, and the Panthers will be looking to you know to get back on track and licking their chops to get a W. But Glendale will be loud and glendale will not allow arizona to take a l cardinals will move on to nine and one and the panthers will fall to four and six unfortunately kyler mick murray will be back to return and he will dominate in this game vikings chargers chargers will be licking their chops at the vikings vikings will be wanting to get this win But guess what? Chargers will pull it off. Justin Herbert will be back on track for another big game. Chargers take this victory in L.A. Eagles and Broncos. (laughs) Broncos will be facing off against each other at Mile High Stadium. Broncos favored by 2.5. Believe it or not, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game because Jalen Hurts has yet to disappoint and He's almost up to 500 yards rushing, five TDs. You know, it's funny that he has this many yards rushing uh, because when I was actually looking at him and observing him in college, moving up to the NFL, I always said that truly he's just a big running back that know how to throw the ball, and that's exactly what he is. 83 carries for 494 yards, five TDs. He almost sounds like Lamar Jackson, but just not as talented and not as skinny or quick. Seahawks Packers. 72 Packers, taking on the 3-5 and five Seahawks. Geno Smith, actually hasn't been so bad this season. Six sixty-five for 95, 702 yards passing, 5 TDs. Not that bad, but not good enough to beat the Packers at home in Green Bay. I look for Green Bay to pull off this win. Not easily, but very competitive. Chiefs and Raiders, oh boy. Sunday night in Vegas. Man, Derek Carr going to show up and the Raiders going to show up and them damn Vegas fans is going to show up and be loud. Can the Chiefs pull off the W? You know, last year, I think they played on a Sunday or Monday night and the Raiders pulled it off. It was a good game. And I think this one will be a very good one as well. And I look for the Raiders to step up on this night and prove that they're playoff worthy. Raiders. Pull it off by three. Monday night. Rams and 49ers. 49ers have been pretty disappointing so far. Matthew Stafford. He will be going out there to try to get him another victory. Because last week wasn't what they expected. But you know what? The 49ers will be there to try to spoil something. Rams by four. Hmm. We will see. I think the Rams will pull it off by six. 49ers lose this game and they'll drop to three and six. By the way, people, if you ain't know, bye week teams, Bears, Bengals, Giants, and Texans—they all need a bye week because they all are struggling right now. Bengals started off hot, but now they're not doing so hot. I hope they get it together in the next fourteen days so they can get back on track. Okay, people, so let's go ahead and review the MLB free agency. We got a couple questions out here. You know, the deadlines for the qualifying offers is on November 17th. And um, you got to kind of look at some of these players that will be free agents. Will Freddie Freeman be resigned by the Braves? How much of that star-studded Dodgers lineup will return next season? Because they've been on a roll. But you know what? Some of them players are getting old. Chris Bryant, is he going back to the Giants? I don't think so. I think he will find a new home with the measures of all these offseason moves and and players going from one place to another. I look for him to go somewhere else. Will the Brewers make their offense better this year? I mean, they be there every year, but they get that first-round exit each time. And I know they're getting tired of – Taking that first round exit. Brewers open up their checkbook this offseason and they get them somebody that can play and make big plays at the big time, which is October. And you got a question. What will the Cardinals do? At their 17 game win streak, letting go their manager, hiring a new one, which was crazy. What does the Cardinals do? What is the Cardinals' future? I think the Cardinals get in the playoffs. Get it right, and they'll get it together, and they'll figure out a way to make a deep run. Don't be surprised if you see the Cardinals in the big game, in the big series next year. Over on the American side, you have to wonder, what would the Astros do after losing their second World Series? Been a three World Series, lost two, and each time it's been for some specific reason. But this year, I feel like the answer is right there in their face. Pitching, pitching, pitching. The Astros must get them pitching. And they got good players out there like Noah Syndergaard to go sign. And the Astros definitely have the money with Grinky off the books and Verlander. Possibly taking the qualifying offer or not. If you take the qualifying offer, that's cheap for the Astros it helps the Astros and it allows them to even still go get two more aces. Red Sox, they will be going free agent hunting this offseason and they will be making a big acquisition. Will it be Carlos Correa? You have to wonder. Tony La Russa, is he the right manager for the White Sox? I don't think so. He's old, he's out out of the game and they just keep bringing him back i know they want to win and winning is, is what they're doing but it's not getting any further than what they've got this year by the way the rays need a better back and what kind of player can a rays bring in when they're so uh restricted on their salary on their cap what will the rays do to get to a title and then the yankees What kind of moves will they make? Will they move on from Gary Sanchez? Will they bring in Carlos Correa? Are they the only team willing to offer Correa 300 some million dollars on a 10-year deal? You have to answer all those questions. And what team will miss the playoffs next season that made the playoffs? Will it be the Atlanta Braves? Man, let me know, people, in the comments. Hey, it's NBA time. And Steph Curry dropped 50 points the other night with 10 assists. That's damn amazing. And Golden State approved to be, improved to be 9-1. So, 50 points, 10 assists, 9-1 Golden State. Golden State is back on track. They got them a young bench. They got their players back. And the only player they're really waiting on now is Thompson. So With Thompson being out and him coming in uh, after the half point of the season, you have to be looking out and trying to wonder, man, will Golden State be making another run back to the finals and defeating the sorry-ass Lakers because they put together an old team that, that has not been very competitive at this point. And to be honest, to be fair, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that. Oh, by the way, when we talk about injuries, Um, Jalen Brown, he has a hamstring injury, and he's out big time. Sad to say, Jalen Brown, this has not been your season, my guy, and I hope you get it together, but the Celtics really need him, and I think they're going to have to figure out what they can do with what they have right now, or make a trade to get back to the competitive point that they have been at, but... No one has put them over the edge yet, and I would like to see the Celtics figure out that team because they got a lot of young, good talent, and they just have not reached my expectations. So let's talk about some of the games that's going on this week. Uh, Wednesday night, we got a couple good matchups: Knicks and Bucks. Bucks haven't been off to the hardest, the hottest start: five and six. Knicks seven and four. You know, New York favor to win this game until the Bucks get it together. But you know what? I think the Bucks will get it together against the Knicks uh, tomorrow night. Raptors Celtics. Like I said, the Celtics haven't been doing so great. They need their boy Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum still out there balling. Fred Van Vliet balling. Boston favored by two points. If it's only two points, you might as well take the Raptors in this one. Especially with the young rookies, man. The boys been balling for the Raptors, dog, for real. So, Rockets and Pistons face off against each other. You got one and two going against each other on a Wednesday night. You got to wonder if Jalen Green is going to outplay Cunningham or will Cunningham outplay Jalen Green. Um, some other good matchups is Blazers and Suns. Blazers have not started off to the greatest start, but they are 500, so they're not out of it. Uh, I think my boy Dame should have moved on because the Blazers will never put out a team good enough for him to get the ring. And then you got the Heat and the Lakers facing off as the last game on a Wednesday night. I believe that might be a double header. Uh and Jimmy Butler balling so far this season. Lakers six and five, one game above five hundred. Heat 7 and 3, Miami favorite to beat the Lakers in the Staples Center. So we gotta see about all those games, man. And then let's just look at what we got on Thursday. Thursday, we got the Heat and the Clippers. So the Heat stay in town. The, defeat the Clippers because the Clippers is not good enough without that guy, Kawhi Leonard. PG. Will put up a fight, but he needs some help as well. They need to make a trade, figure something out. Sixers and Raptors face off against each other on Thursday as well. And, man, that's going to be a good one right there. Because the Sixers are 8-4, and four, Raptors 6-5. and five. They both got some good shooters. They both got some nice inside. Man, I'm going to take the Sixers in this one. Because they're at home and they should get it done. Definitely for sure Now people Let's switch the page To you already know It's boxing time people and I gotta talk about that Canelo versus Caleb Plant fight Man, honestly, it was a damn great fight Caleb Plant put up a great fight um, Known for his defense and his ability to move around the ring Caleb Plant had great footwork in that boxing ring and as the fight went on you started to see him kind of take a toll off of those hits that he was getting from Canelo. Canelo started to tear up Caleb Plant's body and he worked a strategy that allowed him to kind of dominate the fight but Canelo entered the fight you know as the best pound for pound boxing in the world, supposedly, um, and he kind of pro- promised to punish Caleb Plant. Now, I wouldn't say he punished him. This fight went 11 rounds, and watching the fight and seeing Plant move around, he attempted to escape danger very, very often. But some of the fu- some of the the punches he took, he shouldn't have taken them at all. I mean, I understand that he might have been eating them at some point and, uh, you know, he can move around and and take a punch and take a punch here. But my thing is, he wasn't delivering the punches, my guy. So when we look at the punch stats and we break everything down, Alvarez delivered 102 power punches. Uh, Although he threw 251 of them, he delivered 102 of them. That's 41% of his punches being landed, and Caleb Plant landed 59 power punches, but he threw 209, landing for 28%, which is very, very sad, but when you look at how many jabs he threw, he threw 232 jabs, and he landed 42. Um, It appeared to me in the fight, it seemed like he landed more jabs than that. You know, as he moved around the ring. I think he should have been doing more of a stick and go uh kind of thing. He should have not allowed Alvarez to get him in the corner so much and kind of you know at some point he started fighting Canelo's fight. Canelo started cornering him and taking control of the fight, and Caleb Plant slowly, slowly gave into it. And honestly, he gave into it to so he gave into it so much. To the point where I was disappointed because in the 11th round, when he went down, I just did not have an understanding of what happened. Now, I will tell you this the fight is a whole lot closer than anyone would imagine. So, for anyone saying that Alvarez is the best fighter out there and he put relentless pressure on Caleb Plant and things like that, that is totally not true. Even though he had Caleb Plant's entire left side of his body red hot from beating the hell out of his side that is not true plant was jabbing the shit out of alvarez alvarez left his face open many of times and if he just set up set up his punches better alvarez could have probably went down i'm just saying he could have went down but the thing is about everything is caleb plant is not known for his power and in his fight it really really showed that caleb plant didn't have the power behind his punches and that's where alvarez got the dub and that's why he ended up knocking alva i mean knocking caleb plant out in the 11th round with the tko so man if you seen that punch he hit him with a nasty 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 uppercut talking about he dropped the boy but you know who else delivered a nice uppercut To show some impressions and to open some eyes to the boxing world. Darrell. Darrell did his thing. He knocked out his opponent in Hernandez in, I think, the fourth round. And he showed that he should have a shot at the title. He should have a shot at Alvarez. Now, all this talk about, oh, Alvarez is the best fighter out there he's this he's that that is totally not true in my opinion he's a good boxer but he's not the best he's not and you have to wonder who is up next you know there's been a lot of talk about Alvarez being a cheater also you know and this came from these hurls from the Caleb Plant team I don't know what happened but you might want to dig a little deeper into that also people been talking about Gennady Golovkin again and Alvarez fighting for the third time i really don't want to see the triple g matchup at this point i want to see Benavidez fight against Canelo i'm tired of Canelo ducking all the good fighters people keep claiming that he doesn't but he does Caleb Plant was probably one of the best fighters he fought in a long time besides Triple G. And don't give me that Joe Saunders, whatever his name is, bullcrap. Because he wasn't it. He was not it. So if it's not Benavidez or if it's not a shot for Jamal Charlo, I don't want to hear it. Because those are the ones that should be fighting at 168 pounds against Canelo. Canelo needs to stop ducking these fighters and get out there. Put up a good fight For everyone to see And stop having that shit in Vegas Where it's 16,000 people sit in the Cowboys Stadium or something 100,000 people And let's see a real show Alvarez Show up baby Do something Talent somebody that's worthy I'm not saying that Darrell is the most worthy But give him a shot Give him a shot See what he can do I think Darrell can go the distance with Alvarez And that's just my opinion so, I want to see a good matchup. I want to see who Canelo is going to allow to fight him next. Stop ducking, be a man, and take on a real champion. Menevitez, Jamal Charlo. That's it. Really. Darrell, he can wait his chance. But, like I said, that's it. So, now we got to switch over to the granddaddy and all. It's college football, people and you already know this is going to be the last step and the last stop for us. Let's do some recap on week 10 of the college football. Georgia was number 1. They beat the hell out of Missouri 43 to 43 to 6. Man, dominating. Alabama and LSU. I didn't think this game was going to be that close. It was a 20 to 14 victory for Alabama. Wow. Very surprising. Bryce Young surprised us as well. 302 yards passing, two TDs. Can't be mad about that. Michigan State, very, very, very disappointing. After a big game last week against Michigan, Michigan State goes down to Purdue and loses 40-29. to Wow. Oregon proves that they're the champs of the Pac-12 and continue to roll Washington 26-16. Ohio State was in a Close nail-biter at first, but C.J. Stroud continues to improve week in and week out. He threw for 405 yards and two TDs. Ohio State got the victory, 26-17. Cincinnati, they did all that talk, boy. They did a whole bunch of talk. College game day showed up, and you know what? The fans showed up and showed out for Cincinnati. But Tulsa did not just let them run away with this game. Cincinnati... Barely, barely pulled it off 28 to 20. Desmond Ritter had a decent game 274 yards and two TDs. Man, Wake Forest took their first loss of the season. North Carolina pulled off a nail biter 58 to 55. Bro, look how many points that is. That was a high scoring game. Man, that is what I'm talking about. Moving on. We had a 13-14 matchup, Texas A&M versus Auburn. 20-3, and ran away with that. Showed that they're way much better than 14. Calzada continues to prove that he's good enough to win. BYU gets another victory against a lowly, lowly Idaho State. BYU won 59-14, and they are continually ranked. At 15 or much higher now. I'll give you the update next week. Well, the next week. Schedule. Tennessee beat Kentucky. Kentucky let one down. But you know what? I'm happy to see Tennessee knock off somebody in a a, uh, power 25. You know why? Because it's showing that this program is slowly getting better and getting back to where they used to be. Tennessee got the victory, 45-42, to And that's what I like to see. Another upset that happened Boise State knocked off Fresno State. Boise State beat the hell out of them. 40 to 14. Fresno State was ranked number 23. You know they're dropping out the top 25 after that loss. Moving on. It's week 11, people. And you know it's some good games. Starting off on a Thursday. You have North Carolina and Pittsburgh. Pitt, ranked number 21, taking on them at home. You got to wonder, will North Carolina pull off a victory or will Pitt just dominate? And you know what? I'm taking Pitt at this one. Pitt at home, they got to be ready to dominate and they they will do. On a Friday, you got Cincinnati and South Florida. Cincinnati favored to win this game 23.5 points south florida will be at home trying to rebound against another team that's been very well put together this year and maybe south florida can finally put the w in the right column for themselves and beat cincinnati the way they were trying to beat houston moving on people michigan and penn state you already know that's a rivalry game michigan eight and one penn state six and three we don't know what to expect But I tell you what, Beaver Stadium will be loud and proud. And just maybe Penn State can pull off that W. Oklahoma and Baylor. Don't fray. Do not fray. Oklahoma is undefeated. They're 9-0. But guess what? They will be in Waco, Texas. Taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. Baylor. We'll get the victory. Mississippi State and Auburn. Auburn coming off that loss. Bo Nick's probably going to put some things together at home. Mississippi State will take the L and Auburn will cruise on to be a 7-3 team. Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee coming off a game where they just upset a good Kentucky team. Taking on Georgia. Guess what though? This game is in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium. That's 102,000 fans. Do you think Georgia have enough in them to get this victory against Tennessee? Although I do believe that Georgia will blow out Tennessee, I do believe the first half will be very close and competitive. Moving on though, Purdue and Ohio State. Boy, 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 boy. It's been a long time since Purdue been any good. Hell, it's probably going all the way back to Drew Brees. But guess what? Purdue, number 19, takes on number four, Ohio State. C.J. Stroud goes out there, plays a good game. I don't think that they will cover the spread, though. The spread is 20 points, and I think Purdue will keep it pretty close because they'll be looking off to knock someone else out, and that just might be Ohio State. But my boys at the O will take care of that business. That's for sure. Iowa and Minnesota State will be another good matchup. Iowa is ranked number 20 after being at the top of the NCAA for quite a while. Iowa is still a, a damn good team. And Minnesota has been known to be very competitive week in and week out. I see Iowa taking this victory for sure. And I want to let y'all know that a and has another big game against Ole Miss. At Ole Miss. Number 11, A&M. Takes on number 15, Ole Miss. The spread is two and a half. Leaning towards a and i A&M. I'm not sure that it's really that great for A&M to win this game. I think Ole Miss is going to pull this out by three instead. But look for Calzada to mess up in this game. Look for Matt Corral to go out there and play big. Ole Miss get the victory, people. Oh. How could I forget? Notre Dame takes on Virginia. In Virginia. Huh. Must I say, Notre Dame is favored to win this game by five and a half points, but for some reason I got a feeling that the Virginia Cavaliers is going to pull out an upset against Notre Dame. So I'm taking Virginia. Let's go. Oregon and Washington State. Face off against each other. You know Washington State usually pulls out some pretty tricky offensive plays. And it will be the perfect Northwestern uh, Pacific climate for them two to face off against each other. It will be a rainy 62 degrees and Oregon will somehow pull out this victory again. Oregon will cruise on to be 9-1 people. Now you know. There's going to be great games in college football week in and week out as we get to the end of this season of college football. You have to wonder who is really worthy of being in the top 25 and who isn't and who should be in that that tournament. And when I talk about the tournament, man, I think Cincinnati definitely deserves a shot. And it's only unfair if they don't get in, especially if they went out. But guess what? Like I said, In the last episode, people. Let's go Cougs. Thank you, people, for listening to another episode of STWD. I appreciate the support. Like I said, if you need a shout-out, hey, just thought about that. Shout-out to my boy, Lucero, man. Keep doing your work. Keep doing your due diligence out there for the Spring Branch ISD uh, Police Department. You're a good officer. with a good heart, man. Keep working. Keep being a good man out there in them streets. And protecting for those kids yo um also thank you again for listening and please like and subscribe let all your friends and family know that your boy d-raw is here to support the community show love and um thank you for listening